Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. One of my favorite quotes is comparison is the thief of joy. It was by Theodore Roosevelt and I think that's really relevant in dentistry and for us, particularly as new grads, we often look at and compare ourselves with work that we see, whether it's work that someone else has done within our clinic or more on social media or on Instagram, we see this amazing stuff and we compare ourselves with that and that can take away some of the joy of dentistry. What do you think about that, Bridget? Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I know I find that sometimes if I'm on Facebook or Instagram and I'm scrolling through, um, a lot of it you can find really inspiring and really motivating, but sometimes you can just sort of have a bit of a weird or an odd feeling after where you just feel like maybe you're not doing enough or you could be doing more, I suppose. And I think one thing that I did find when I first entered the workforce was and I work in a practice with a lot of other clinicians, is that you start comparing yourself to a dentist that's been working for Mm. 10 or 20 years. And, you know, we see a patient that they've seen and we worry that the patient's going to know that, you know, we're less experienced or, you know, they're, they're comparing our knowledge or comparing our work when a lot of the time, they don't really know the difference. Absolutely. And I think that it's really, really common. I, I see that particularly with people worrying about timing with how long they take to do yeah. things um, as well as the actual, you know, the outcomes. And that's something that we talk about in today's podcast with Dr. Annalene Weston. We're talking about nobody's perfect and, and it's that it's okay as long as we're doing our best. We, we're not expected to do the best dentistry in the world. It's not possible. We're here to provide a good outcome for our patients and care for them. And, and Dr. Annalene Weston, she um, works with DPL. She's a dental legal advisor. And so she works with a lot of people when they are struggling with these kinds of things. She's done a lot of work on burnout and a lot of the mental health side of dentistry, in which I have great respect for her and what she's done. I recommend people check out her full interview. But for now, let's hear from Dr. Annalene Weston. One pattern that we're seeing a lot is so many practitioners are subjecting themselves to the tyranny of perfection. So they're putting themselves in a situation where they believe that they have to be perfect all the time. Now, if you compare medical and dental practice to other high-risk industries, such as um, the airline industry being a really good example, the airline industry has open disclosure. If something goes wrong with a plane crash, they have you know people die. <laughs> they have a look at the black box, and it's dealt with in a no-blame way, and they call it the no-blame culture. Yet medicine and dentistry, something goes wrong and everyone's looking for someone to blame. That's how it feels, isn't it? It has to be someone's fault. If someone's given the wrong medication, and they used to, it has to happen all the time in hospitals where medications have the same color on the label. So people would be injected with the wrong medication and they would die. But it was always the fault of the person who injected. Nobody ever turned around and said, well, maybe we need to change the labels to make it easier for people in a rush to understand. And only when you approach things through a no blame culture, can you actually elicit change and manage the risk for patients in patient care. So we find so many dental practitioners have this misguided belief that they have to be perfect. They have to be better. And we see it starting all the way back at dental school, where a lot of dental students suffer with what's called imposter syndrome, where they have this really deep seated belief that they're not as good as everyone else in their class and that they're like a fraud. 
Um, imposter syndrome is responsible for a number of things, not just confidence crisis, but also a lot of dental practitioners don't take sick leave because they're too frightened to let their colleagues see their work because they believe that if their colleague sees what a terrible dentist they are, when in mm. fact, there's absolutely nothing wrong with their work at all. And sometimes we all do horrible feelings. It's okay. It's about it being functional, you know, but there's this lack of forgiveness for being imperfect. And we see people flagellating themselves, whether it be an adverse outcome or, you know, people make mistakes. And then it's, you know, I, I ought to have been better. I should have this. I should have that. I should have the, the other. Like that. Like they got up that morning and said, I'm just going to really mess this up today and really hurt someone. Nobody thinks like that, you know. Mm. But people seem to punish themselves and they're constantly talking about the perfect, the perfect feeling, the perfect this, the perfect patient experience. There's no perfect. And what's right for me won't be right for you. And we all have good days and bad days. Every single one of us is human. Every single one of us makes mistakes. And I think we should strive for excellence, excellence in practice. I think I'm not saying, go, oh, yes, you'll be right. Just do that. It's a bit dodgy. <laughs> no one's perfect. But I think this constant striving for the tyranny of perfection, we are hurting ourselves because we, we're holding ourselves out to an unattainable standard and it's hurting us emotionally and mentally. Do you see that increasing over time and do you attribute that to things like social media? Do I see it increasing over time? I think imposter syndrome has always been there in healthcare, yeah. Yeah. Um, particularly in healthcare. So I think it's always been there, but we just talk about it more or we got better at naming it and understanding what it is. Do I think social media contributes? Absolutely. I think we see... One of the lessons that we try and teach young dental practitioners is when people post something in social media, they are posting usually their best work. There are some who will post their failures. And I love those because, you know, mm. I, you know I said if we could all learn from each other's failures. Wouldn't it be a nice world? Um, and we wouldn't have to fail ourselves. But many people, see, I'm using that word fail again. That's really unhelpful. <laughs> If we could learn from other people's failures, we wouldn't have to experience that sensation ourselves. We'd be more honest. But um, social media, a lot of people post beautiful work, which is really inspirational. But the problem is, is that if you're already a little bit underconfident and you start seeing this really good work that other people are doing, some people can take that and start impacting their own self-confidence and say, oh, my goodness, this must mean I am terrible. My filling could never look like that. I could never do this multi-unit implant bridge Ujima flip 18 months out. <laughs> and that's normal. Incidentally, not to be able <laughs> yeah. to do that 18 months out. I wouldn't do it now. I couldn't yeah. do it now. And that's okay because I'm on my own journey. And that's the other thing too, you know, where am I going to go on my journey? Do I have to, I must do implants. I must, I must have done an implant course or an ortho course within three months of graduating. No, you mustn't. That's okay. Lock mm. in your basics, your patient care, your diagnosis, your treatment planning. Lock in identifying caries. It's tricky. It's tricky. You know, it's hard. That's why we spend five years trying to learn how to identify caries. So lock in those basics and uh, that's okay. Don't be in such a rush. And I think it's it's okay not to ever do implants if you don't enjoy that or don't want to. I think that's something a lot of people think they have to go down the path of learning 
and be the super dentist in a way. And I think there's nothing wrong with providing really great foundational care and having a good referral pathway for all of the things that you don't do. Um, I see a lot of people who just don't feel it's an option to not learn those um, next level things. I agree. I think it's quite frightening. People feel that they need to be able to do everything. And you don't. You don't have to be able to place implants. You don't have to be able to do orthodontic treatment. You have to be able to diagnose problems. Yeah. You have to have good referral pathways, but it doesn't mean you have to be able to do everything. And I would question if it's possible to be highly skilled in every discipline of dentistry. I just want to take a moment to thank our sponsor and ask a question. But how do you make the most out of your CPD? I think the first step is to make sure you've chosen the right CPD and how do you know that unless you've seen it all? cpdjunkie.com.au is made so that all of the dental CPD in Australia and New Zealand is in the one place. We've got all of the webinars, all of the live courses coming up on the website, easy to find and easy to filter. And the second step, well, it's all in the free ebook on their website, cpdjunkie.com.au, the home of Australian dental CPD. Thank you for supporting dental students and graduates and thank you for supporting the Dental Head Start podcast. Do you have advice for the person sitting there thinking, wow, that's me, I put too much pressure on myself to be perfect? Um, what, what do you recommend they think about or what steps they might be able to take to move themselves away from that? I think that the first thing is you need to learn to fail. And that's one of the big problems. And I mean, generally, not in dentistry. I mean, generally, dental practice attracts perfectionists because perfectionists like to do things perfectly. And it's a hand-eye coordination and we have to be smart and we have to be all these things, which is fabulous. But it also tends to attract people who have a higher level of depression, a higher level of anxiety and a tendency towards perfectionism. One of the problems with being really smart is that you've never really failed anything in your life. And a lot of people in dentistry have come from environments or many people where they were under pressure to achieve as well. So they've spent their whole life bringing home um, A grades, like a perfect little row of tents on a report card. And if they didn't have those little tents, then there was a (laughs) a Spanish Inquisition. Um, (laughs) And that's how they kept their family happy and satisfied. So it's a learned behavior. I bring you perfection and I bring peace and tranquility into my home and I'm rewarded for that. Many dental practitioners, not only have they not failed an exam, they haven't even failed their driving test. So the first thing that the first time they fail could be at dental school, maybe not. They could get all the way through dental school and then they go into practice and a patient complains Mm -hmm. or they do a filling that drops out, they can't get a tooth out and all of a sudden you're having to try and find the emotional depth to deal with the whole sensation that you've never dealt with before and you've got to grow emotionally real quickly. Mm. So I would say embrace failure in general I took my children to the Museum of Failure when we were in LA. Fascinating place. I think it's really important, you know. Is um, that a real place? It's a real place, yeah. Oh, it's God. actually, ironically, it's actually closed because it failed because oh. not enough people went. No. I okay. know. <laughs> it's a real shame, isn't it? Well, a lot of the big industries um, wouldn't put their failures up because they didn't want people to know them. And I think that's really unhelpful. Everybody fails. Everybody gets things wrong because nobody's perfect. Um I always say to the children, my children, sometimes I win and sometimes I learn. 
because I want them to see that if something doesn't come easily to them, that's a learning experience. So I think embrace failure. And if you're not sure how to embrace failure, there are some really good resources. So there's a lovely book by Matthew Said called Black Box Thinking. And it looks at how the airline industry deal with failure compared to how healthcare can deal with failure. And it helps you understand how to develop an open growth mindset. Um, for those who aren't readers, he also has it as a 15 minute TED talk. Perfect. <laughs> right for TED talks. Yeah. Um, for those of us but, who are time poor. So I would say that you need to start by embracing failure. You need to yeah. accept that you're not perfect. Strive for excellence, not perfection. That's fantastic. And it's really relevant at this time. I think there's a lot of people who, I guess, and, and me included, we have expectations of ourselves that are unfair to ourselves. And it's good to You're think that way. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself because the reality of it is, is that it's unreasonable to expect yourself to be not only perfect, but the best at everything all the time. But we're all such high achievers. And I'm not saying that we go in and go, oh, well, it's okay if I just stuff this up. That's, that's an attitudinal issue. That's different. It's about accepting that sometimes things go, things go wrong and forgiving yourself. Sorry to use that phrase, but forgiving yourself for just not being perfect. It's okay. It's okay to be a whole human person. It's fine. And that's how it is, you know, and the reality of it is, is personally, I have learned far more in my life from my failures than I ever have from my successes. Because one of the things about my successes is I've just got, I've just said, oh, well, I'm awesome. Um, or of course, of course it went well, but I haven't analyzed why that's right. I, I expected that to go well, but I didn't sit and critically or critique why. Whereas when something goes wrong, I have to unpack it and go, well, what went wrong there? What could I have done differently? What would I do differently if I was approached, if I had the same situation next time? Because bear in mind that my success might have just been pure luck. It might have been that all the stars aligned for that moment. And then next time I'll do the same thing and it won't work and I won't understand why. Whereas with failure, we really analyze and consequently, we learn lessons that we can apply for different elements of our life and in dental practice. So rubber dam, classic example. It's not easy to put rubber dam on. That's why dental practitioners don't use it as much as we would all like to. People find it hard. People who put it on well and put it on all the time and who've learned to put it on. But a lot of dental practitioners don't use it because they find it hard. You've got to have a go at it for it to ping off for you to go. Now, why did that just ping off? Why did that just happen? What did I do wrong? What, yeah, and then you'll next time you'll approach it differently. It's the same thing. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's really fantastic and, and advice we'll all take to heart. Thank you so much for listening to the Dental Head Start podcast. I genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist. So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com start to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.